Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall. During a long and varied brewing career, Charlie Cole dreamed of owning his own brewery. When he finally got the chance, the beer was great, but little else went according to plan. This episode tells his story. And we'll get into it all in a moment. But first, please go visit allaboutbeer.com for original articles, reviews, news, insight, and podcasts. You can listen to shows like Beer Travelers, Brewer to Brewer, and the All About Beer podcast by simply searching All About Beer wherever you listen to shows. This show and all the work we do is supported by you. You can visit patreon.com slash allaboutbeer to help keep the content fresh. And if you'd like to learn more about advertising on the show, please email info at allaboutbeer.com. Speaking of that, are you thinking about cutting back on alcohol this January? If so, check out Athletic Brewing Company, America's leading non-alcoholic craft brewer. Athletic makes wide selection of near beers, including IPAs, Goldens, Darks, Light Brews, and more. Give Dry a try this month with Athletic. And new Athletic customers can receive 20% off of their first order of two six-packs or more when they visit athleticbrewing.com and use the code AAB20 at checkout by March 31st, 2023. Thanks to Athletic for sponsoring this episode. From a marketing beginning to eventual home brewing, and then a professional career that had him working for one of the best-known German brewers, then to small outfits where his creativity could flourish, Charlie Cole has been dedicated to craft beer. When the opportunity came along to get involved with Blue Cat, an Illinois brewing institution going back to the 1990s, he jumped at the chance. He's a believer in tradition and forward momentum, but also of honoring location and history, but never settling for the status quo. For almost two years now, as brewer and general manager, he's been working to keep the brewery and restaurant moving in a positive way. But a series of factors, including many that are familiar to other brewery owners, have made it a tough road to walk. At the end of 2022, he had to close, something he hopes is temporary. Here's our conversation. What drew you to a professional career in beer in the first place? Um, I think uh, I, I did some school in uh, Southern California, like fresh out of high school. And they were just so far advanced in the world of craft beer, uh, even even growing up in St. Louis and, and making that change to the West Coast and the way every, all the branding was with the IPAs and the battle for having the most bitter IPA and, uh, and all, all the great names and imagery that was going along with it also reminded me of just like, you know, punk rock bands and everything of, of how they market and, and brand themselves. So uh, I was definitely more drawn into the marketing and branding side of the business and, and thought that's what I was going to end up doing was I wanted to design beer labels and come up with the cool names and, and how to come up with promotions to, to sell them. Uh, I, I kind of ended up on the brewing side out of, out of necessity of work. <laughs> You're telling me creativity doesn't pay the bills. No, you know, um, especially in, in small <laughs> American independent craft breweries, they just, uh, you got to do multiple hats and, yeah. and if you're really good at that side of things, then, uh, they just let you do it. I I want to just talk about that for 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 a minute or two because I, with you know, what ninety five hundred breweries now in the country, um, there is a need for creativity outside of the beer itself, for things to stand out on shelves, for um, campaigns to bring people in or encourage them to to actually buy something off off the shelves. Early on, what did you see that worked? And and then where do you see things these days? Yeah, definitely an evolution. Um, I mean, when I first started getting into craft beer, everything was in bottles. Um, most craft breweries weren't doing cans yet. So, um, you know, the, the earlier things that really like grabbed my eye as a consumer was like, uh, you know, stone and St. Archer when they had like the painted on bottles in New Belgium also and um, had those screen printed labels. Yeah. Like, wow, that's totally different. They put some money into it. Like if if the product inside is anywhere as, as valuable as the outside of that bottle, then 
uh, it's got to be good stuff. So I remember when that used to catch my eye and now I never see anything like that anymore. Um, you know, most common package is a 16 ounce can. So I remember um, some of the first ones that really caught my eye and was like, wow, they're doing things completely different. Uh, Pipeworks in Chicago just had oh, like sure. the most extreme uh, off the wall, uh, just animated art of Ninja versus Unicorn and like all these weird things. Uh, and great names too. Yeah. Names that really stood out in a, in a fun way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic product. Like once you, once it, that caught your eye to get it off the shelf and, and then backing it up with, with great liquid inside, uh, definitely helped. So as you've gone through, you know, various brewing jobs then, um, how did that marketing side of things, how did that, that storytelling side of things inform you as a brewer? You know, cause I, I, I imagine that that part of your career has never left you. Um, but then when you started focusing on actually making beer, did, did that previous job, that previous life, um, off the brew deck inform your time on it? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, when I, when I first even started home brewing, um, I, I had was living at this bachelor pad with two other guys and they had already been home brewing, uh, previously. And they, they taught me how to home brew. And I was like, man, you guys are making great beer. Like I could, I could make this into a business. We could, you know, you guys brew and I'll do all the business side. I'll do all the marketing branding. I'll come up with the names. You know, I, I, I see what all of these awesome breweries around the country are doing. Uh, beer on Instagram was like extremely blowing up that point. And uh, I was pretty good at social media marketing. So I was like, we, we can make a good run of this. Um, so I loved that side of it and ended up uh, starting to do, getting us signed up for beer festivals. I don't know if like, we were supposed to be on those beer festivals. We just had a good enough brand that people thought we were an actual brewery, even though we were just home brewing in our garage. Um, but yeah, I got in to uh, starting doing these festivals and networking events and going to co-op spaces for, you know, panels and things and serving our beer for free and uh, ended up just doing too many for them to be able to keep up brewing five gallons in the garage at a time. So I ended up starting to to brew more because of that side of things and then just fell in love with the craft that way. I was like, wow, this is a, a completely different way of being able to express myself. And then if I can also express myself in these recipes, like I already have like a list of names of beers that I've always wanted like to brew, but didn't know what style to put towards it. I could actually come up with a recipe now, uh, starting with a name or starting with an image or some kind of label and then build a beer around it. So have, getting being able to work both sides uh, was awesome. You know, from the, from the beginning of my career, um, the first brewery that I started working in professionally was a international chain uh, German brewery. And so I, I got to get no, you, side can, of that. you can name it. Right? <laughs> yeah. So it was at Hofbrau. Okay. Uh, they had just opened up a location in, in the St. Louis area. It was their largest one. Um, so yeah, made, made three different kinds of German lager and a half of Weizen, and that's all we got to brew. And I got to do nothing on the marketing side. Um, so the whole but time brewing I was there, on their um, systems, like I remember <laughs> the Vegas one, there was the one in Pittsburgh, um, you know, that I visited, I mean, the beer was always excellent. And in that Hofbrau tradition, uh, I, I imagine that's gotta be, you know, baptism by fire. It was the most baptism by fire of any brewer that I've ever known. Um, I, I was in there from, from day one, from the build out. Um, I just got the, the German brewmaster from Munich found me on a St. Louis home brewers group on Facebook. Uh, that's how I found out about the job and went through the whole interview process and somehow got picked uh, with no formal <laughs> education or experience <laughs> and uh, got thrown in there. And that's, I first. mean, that's ballsy on your part to one apply for that, but two for them to take the chance on you. Yeah, it was, it, <laughs> it was, it was crazy that I got the job, especially knowing I knew the other two uh, people that like made it to the top three of the interviews because they had a group interview together is really strange but um so i knew that they had already had way you get to pick your weapons at the door how does that work i think i just uh lowballed them of of what i was willing to work for (laughs) i think they were just like well he's cheap let's give it a shot (laughs) he can be taught yeah yep so yeah i got in there and i think uh we only brewed two or three batches and then the brewmaster got deported um 
the the franchise owners of that location uh, didn't do the the visa process correctly, and and they sent him sent him back. So I had never brewed professionally on a brew system before. Um, it was a a twenty hectoliter system that was uh, built in Austria. All the programming was done by a Russian who translated it into English or into uh, German, and nothing was in English. Not a single thing on that system was in English, and all of the buttons were German acronyms of words. So I couldn't even just Google the names of these buttons because they weren't even the full word. Um, and yeah, the, the brewmaster when he got deported, he actually went to um, to Mexico to Monterey. And so I'm FaceTiming him doing, doing my first professional brew by myself on this German system, making the hardest style of beer in, in the world, you know, a Helles lager, two international German standards. Um, and, and I'm FaceTiming him the whole time and he's poolside and in, in swim trunks with a cooler full of beer, teaching me how to use this brew system for the first time. What was the old show where the celebrity would come out? Oh, punked. I, I feel like that's got to be an episode Absolutely. or like an episode. It, it felt like yeah. that every minute of every day. Cause it's also, it's one of those, you know, showcase breweries where the brew decks in the middle of the, of the beer hall, just right behind the bar. Not even Was glass, it open for service like, at that point? So were you um, doing the, this in front of people? They had just, we had just had like our grand opening. Um, yeah. All, all of the beer. All of the beer that I got to, that he made that I just got to assist on was all brewed pre-opening, and then as soon as we opened, he got he got sent out. So I'm making making loggers on the system, having no experience, going from five gallons in my garage to twenty hectoliters, automated brew system, and uh, yeah, uh, right in the middle of lunch with just you know eighty people staring at you, and you you push the wrong button and something clanks and all of all of the pipes are shaking above you, and I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. This is this is definitely trial by fire. I imagine that experience, though, as nerve wracking as it can be, must be a pretty good shot of confidence going forward. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't have to dump any beer, which was great, um, and you know, I, I got to. I got to learn the hard way, but I got to learn from a, a really you know, world-renowned brewmaster that um, luckily I was only making four different kinds of beer because if I had to come up with my own recipes back then on that scale, probably would have been awful. But uh, you know, I had a, a great teacher uh, that really just walked me through every step of the way, even if he got to do it poolside in Mexico. But um, yeah, that experience, you know, once, once you get that first lager on tap and it tastes just like the batch before it, you know, that confidence there is just like, all right, I, I can make, I can make beer this way. I can, I can do the job. Where'd you head after that? So I ended up in the quad cities where I am currently. Uh, I had never even heard of the quad cities at that time. I was going to say for, uh, <laughs> for those without a map of the U S right now uh, in, in front of them, can you so sort it's, of it's give us the four, idea? Yeah four hours dead north of uh, St. Louis, still on the Mississippi River. Um, it's just the border of Illinois and Iowa instead of Illinois and Missouri. So it's uh, Davenport, Iowa, uh, Bettendorf, Iowa, Rock Island, Illinois, and Moline, Illinois make up the Quad Cities. Uh, it's where John Deere is, their headquarters. Wait, did you just here. name three? You just named three cities though, right? Or did I miss uh, one? Davenport, Bettendorf, Rock Island, Moline. I'm sorry. Gotcha. I, I, I missed the... <laughs> the bettendorf in there as well okay ah uh, yeah yeah so uh yeah it's it's definitely uh it's a river town it just totally reminds me of it's little st louis like it kind of has the same nobody wants to cross the river even though there's equal amount of things on both sides of the river uh, if you live in illinois you don't really go to iowa much and iowa doesn't really come to illinois much so kind of strange but we have equal amounts of breweries in this area i think uh, we're up to 17 breweries for such a small little area that nobody's heard of um so yeah, That's, there's definitely a big craft beer community. Is that what drew you to, to there, to that area? Uh, yeah, I had, um, at the time, like, um, my wife's family was from here and she actually moved from here down to St. Louis, um, 
when we got together and uh, when I was looking for a different opportunity, specifically one in American craft brewing and not making the same tour loggers over and over again. Um, you know, we started looking into this area and I came up for a weekend and just kind of, I never really spent any time up here, but just kind of popped around a couple breweries and, um, just the first two that I went to, I just, you know, pop, pop my head into the brewery and asked if there was a brewer around that I could talk to. And it's like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm a brewer down in St. Louis and thinking about moving to the area. Just wanted to chat with you a little bit and both of them, both two places that I went to first offered me jobs. They're just <laughs> so, so hard up for, uh, you know, experienced brewers. So, um, yeah, that was kind of it though. The second one that I went to ended up being, uh, the one that, um, I, I made the move for that was Bent River Brewing. Uh, they have a location in both Rock Island and in Moline. Yeah. Uh, so they have a brew pub in Moline that opened in 1997 and then, uh, their production brewery in Rock Island, uh, that opened in the early two thousands, but they, you know, that's, that's the big, uh, big brand that's in every bar, grocery store, gas station and everything around here. So I was like, all right, like well, I can get into here. There's definitely room for growth and opportunity. And, um, yeah, they, they got me in and I was, uh, I think they started me on like keg washing and stuff like everybody else. There, no special treatment for working at an international German lager brewery. I, mean, I, I started from the bottom and worked the packaging line and, um, you know, was an assistant brewer just cleaning tanks. And uh, eventually they, they kind of had, we had some chats about, I, I made all these weird experimental beers as a home brewer that I won all kinds of awards for mostly like weird vegetable beers and things. And, and they're like, well, we have this pilot system that nobody uses. You, you know, if you ever want to just come in and do some brews on it, you're more than welcome. And so like, after like a month of like using it constantly, they're like, all right, you're just going to be the R and D brewer. Like that's, that's your position now. So, um, they let me take over as the R and D brewer coming up with all the new stuff. And, uh, at the same time, I was like, Hey, your social media is awful. Like for as big of a brand as you guys are, like you not have anybody to do this. And I'm like, no, like nobody, like we have some bartenders that make posts and stuff, but otherwise, you know, we don't really do much social media. And I was like, well, I, I would like to be the marketing director. Like if I'm making, if I'm coming up with the new beers, I'd like to be able to like market them the way that I envision, like when I'm coming up with these recipes, like they already have like placeholder names when I'm coming up with them. Like, let me just use those names and stuff. So, uh, I got to do wear both of those hats and I, I loved it. I was there for about a year and a half and, uh, really enjoyed that role. But, uh, there's, there's that fun thing. I think in, in most brew, you know, bigger brewing communities like this, when there's so many breweries, uh, not enough brewers to go around that, um, if, if one person gets, you know, a, a, another opportunity at a different brewery and they, they change hands that, becomes this kind of musical brewers as we, we like to call it where, all right, well, now they got that hole to fill. So who's going to move over there. And then, uh, from where that person came from, are they going to be able to promote from within, or are they going to have to find somebody else? And so usually when one brewer goes to a different brewery, it's three or four other brewers that are kind of moving around at the same time too, for, for a different or better opportunity. Yeah. Uh, so that kind of happened with me. I ended up at Geneseo brewing in Geneseo, Illinois, which is right outside the quad cities, but it's like the closest brewery to my house and um, got the opportunity as a head brewer. So I uh, went back to running a brewery all by myself. And, but this time got to do it on a five barrel system. So the smallest brewing system uh, that I had, I'd been on other than just like the pilot system. Yeah. And uh, I loved it. Cause it was, I got to make, I got to do exactly what I did at Bent River, just always coming up with new things all the time. And I had free reign, like nobody, we didn't even do any trials or anything. It's like, if it was good enough for me, I got to go on tap and I got to name it, whatever I wanted, promote whatever I wanted. That's pretty cool. And, uh, I, yeah, I just, I loved it. It was in a small little community. It wasn't like in a big city or anything. So it's just the downtown, the only, you know, at the time, like the only brewery in downtown. So, uh, it was pretty popular and, uh, I had a lot of fun with it and I got to completely run all the marketing and everything with it. And, uh, we ended up yeah, doubling production and, and sales in the first six months. And I had to, I had to bring on a, uh, an assistant brewer and she was actually my hairstylist at the time. And she, uh, she was going to do it part-time as just like a fun thing to learn. And she liked craft beer. And then she, after about six months of being with me, she 
uh, quit doing hair altogether. And she's been a brewer ever since. And she That's ended up taking cool. over as head brewer when I left too. But yeah, it was, it was a great place to brew. Uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, I don't think they brew there at all anymore. Uh, pandemic kind of hurt a lot of things with yeah. uh, the brewing community around here. A lot of brewers uh, left our community to go to uh, other opportunities in other cities where we're kind of dead center between um between st louis chicago des moines minneapolis uh madison where so uh, anytime big jobs open up over there any of our homegrown talent tend to uh get out of our area which kind of isn't good for our community but people have been we've been making it work so I, I want to just go back to to two things that you that that you said just before we 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 get onto what came next. Um, uh, vegetable beers. So, like, give me some examples of some of those beers that you were making back in the I day did, on the Yeah, <laughs> I did so many cucumber beers. Those were those were my thing for some reason. Uh, just I, I think I made like one decent one as a home brewer and it kind of just followed me. Um, I won like a, a few home brewing awards for cucumber gozas and, uh, cucumber saisons. And yeah, one of my favorite, um, I actually I, like one of the only home brewing, uh, score sheets that I ever really kept from back then, uh, Stan Hieronymus judged my, uh, cucumber saison in a home brewing competition in St. Louis. And he was, his feedback was, Oh, it's such a great saison. Your, your yeast character is really shy. It's like the, the malt balance is fantastic. Totally ruined it by putting cucumber in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> that's great feedback. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we ended up it when I worked like you, yeah. But it's what yeah, you wanted it to be. Yeah. You know, no, but I wanted to be the, the next, you know, like... Uh, I don't know, all, all of all the fun breweries that I, you know, were following heavily on social media, the, the Chicago and St. Louis breweries that were coming up forehands in St. Louis was a huge one. That was, was always putting before all of the, the pastry sours and, and smoothie sours and stuff. They were doing things like that back in, you know, the but before 2010 and things. And um, I just loved those breweries that just had you know, they didn't need rules. This is, this is the wild West. We, we just got to make whatever the next, the next wild thing is and striking gold on, on an experimental might be the, the next flagship for you. So, um, yeah, I sort of, I, when I was at, uh, Bent River, I think one of the first pilot things that we actually scaled up and did a big production run was, uh, was my cucumber goza and we named it cuke nukem and it did, did really well. People like <laughs> everybody gets you know kind of curious and a little put off when they see a vegetable beer but uh you know that brewery was already doing a sweet potato ale instead of you know a, as a instead of a pumpkin beer for their fall seasonal so they're already kind of trying to do things one off so it, it kind of worked with being able to play around with vegetables and and weird teas and things uh in this area so that was like i said i think i just you know found found a weird home here and I, I, now I can't really see me brewing in any other brewing community. What was driving your creativity, right? I mean, it, it, going from Hofbrau where you're making three beers, but you know, you're really sort of dialed in to process and tradition and, uh, you know, super clean flavors. I mean, they, there, there is, there's creativity in that although it, it, it's it's fairly limiting but then to you know have cucumber saisons in the back of your mind wh where have you drawn as a brewer your creativity from in, in in the beers that you've created and then executed on uh, I, I guess i it's really more of my peers and in, in the industry and it, it, i think it i got to start with uh, being a little more experimental as a home brewer and, and the homebrew club that I was in, um, I was in on in a homebrew club called the Firm on the, on the Illinois side of St. Louis, and uh, you know I think I think we've had like eight professional brewers that have come out of that club since, and so either started breweries or became head brewers at big breweries like Urban Chestnut and things, and 
had a really good uh, just homebrew community of of brewers and a lot of them were more into the traditional things where I was like, Hey, this is, this is homebrew. Like we would literally do whatever we want. So I would bring in the cucumber beers and the carrot beers. And, um, you know, we, and on that Illinois side, uh, scratch brewing is about two hours South of there. So that was kind of a good weekend destination that a lot of us like to go. And they were putting, you know, dead leaves and sumac and all kinds of weird flowers and mushrooms that they're foraging from their land. And, extremely off the wall stuff. And I'm like, well, I want to, if they're doing that, I want to do that. And especially, yeah, the, this, I don't know, at the time, I think there were just under 90 breweries in the St. Louis area and they were all having to compete with each other. They're all right on top of each other. Um, I, I totally looked up to, especially we call them the, the 2010s, the breweries that uh, opened in 2010 in St. Louis. So, um, you know, Alpha Brewing, Four Hands, Perennial, uh, urban chestnut, like they all opened between, you know, between 2010 and 2011. And those were, those are the huge brands that like, that had to kind of, uh, come up with the next big thing to, to stay relevant. And they, they drove each other. And I was like, I, I want to be included in that group at one point, or like, you know, in some kind of group like that, where we're all driving each other and we all got to work, you know, all coming up with the next big thing. And, uh, from the outside looking in and being a, the consumer and, and just being a home brewer and things, or, and then even working at Hofbrau where, you know, that was so different than the American craft brewing community. Um, you know, I, I thought it was a little more competitive than it really is. And once I actually got my foot in the door at American craft breweries, um, and, and started getting more involved, I'm like, wow, it really is a tight knit group. Like we really are good about like not holding a lot of things close to the chest. And helping each other out and sharing information and that's i you know um i think that's been the driving force in the evolution of craft beer especially in the past 20 years of if we weren't so close as an industry and so open and that wasn't you know the the ethos around our industry that beer wouldn't be where it is now we'd probably still all be making the same uh beers of the of the early nineties brew pubs and things of the, the just standard pale ale, standard red ale, standard American stout, and just trying to, you know, perfect those, but not really having many things to, to set our, our things, you know, our, our brands and everything apart from each other. Uh, but I think the big thing was, all right, I know that that brewery just did a beer with, with cucumbers or something, some strange ingredient. I want to try something like that and being able to reach out to the breweries and, brewers being so open. Yeah. You know, I, I, I thinly slice them. I peel them. Um, I, I put them in on, in the secondary on, you know, and let it sit for three days. Like people are super cool about telling you exactly how they do things. Yeah. They're, it's, it's, I, I know a couple of brewers that aren't, you know, so open, but vast majority of brewers are like, yeah, this is, this is the brand of coffee I use in my, in my coffee style. This is exactly how I do it. Uh, people are really cool about it, especially when it comes into the the harder things to learn about, you know, chemistry and things. Um, I have a formal brewing education, but not a lot of brewers in my area do. But I have I have all the resources from all of the schools that I've I've been a part of. You know, anybody has any kind of water chemistry questions, I if I can't think of it off the top of my head, I have the resources available. Um, you know, anything like that, and just being part of, all, you know, I'm I'm heavily involved still with. Uh, Master Brewers Association in St. Louis. I'm on the board there and uh, having those resources in St. Louis that, you know, other brewers in my area of the Quad Cities, you know, they don't know those guys. They're not a part of those kind of groups and being able to have that larger network and, um, and feed off of them. It, it all boils down to, you know, where my creativity comes from. I have a, I have a giant network of, of friends. More with Charlie Cole in a moment, but first, this episode is brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company, America's leading non-alcoholic craft brewer. Give Dry a try this January with Athletic Brewing's Near Beers. New Athletic customers can receive 20% off of their first order of two six-packs or more when they visit athleticbrewing.com and use the code AAB20 at checkout by March 31st, 2023. 
And for additional beer podcasts, search All About Beer on your podcast platform of choice and listen to Brewer to Brewer, Beer Travelers, and the All About Beer podcast. And now back to my conversation with Charlie Cole of Blue Cat Brewing. So tell me about Blue Cat. Oh, man. All right. Well, if anyone is unfamiliar with the Blue Cat Brew Pub, it is the uh, second oldest operating or or was the second oldest operating brew pub in the state of Illinois. Uh, the only one older is Goose Island. Uh, so it opened in 1994 by Dan and Martha Cleveland. They were brother and sister. Dan had a chemistry background and uh, Martha was a very great chef. And the, the two ran it um, up until 2017 together. And Dan made all the beer. Martha made up, ran all the restaurant. And uh, it was just a, a staple for the Quad Cities, for, especially Rock Island, um, down here in the district, in the the old bar district. And yeah, just they had very unique beers. Uh, Dan was always traveling around uh, around the country. He went to CBC every year. I think from like the second or third year that they started having it, he was uh, a staple there. Uh, he was a great. He had a great palate. Uh, he was a judge for the beverage T- testing institute for doing world beer championship no bti um, yeah so uh he he kind of did his own thing he was making a lot of different styles of beers than than others were doing in the the early 90s and uh getting some some credit in in the midwest for that and yeah they ran it for a very long time and uh in 2017 they decided to retire things had kind of slowed down uh he didn't really make too many new beers he's still making the same beers that he came up with in the the early 90s or the mid 90s early 2000s and uh the craft beer community was blowing up around here yeah they had had about five breweries open in in a single year uh right around the time that he chose to retire i think that had a, a big thing to do with it and um uh, yeah, he was just ready for ready for retirement, and um, a uh, partnership group that came in, uh, just investor group that owned several other uh, things in the area: construction company, an accounting firm, a, a bowling alley. They, you know, they're just investors, and they came in and they bought it from them, and and thought that it was just going to be this, you know, turnkey thing, super easy to run a brewery, and uh, didn't do too well for them for two years. They. They they tried to rebrand and uh, became a different name for a little while, and that that just hurt it even worse. And uh, people people thought that the place closed, even though it it didn't. <laughs> it just was very very unpopular. They didn't have a brewer, so they they had to uh, they were contract getting their beer in for a while. Uh, I was actually brewing it when I was at Bent River, and yeah. um, they uh, yeah they weren't weren't doing too well. They they um, put an ad out on indeed and for a, for a brewer. And I was like, well, I'll, I'll interview and I'll, I'll be able to point somebody in the right direction. I'm going to see what they're, what they're looking for. I never really looked at their equipment and stuff. And I was like, I'll go in and, and I'll do an interview and find out what kind of brewer that they're at would, would fit well in here. Cause I just very involved in the community up here. And I'm like, I'm sure there's an assistant brewer at one of these bigger brewers. That's probably ready to, to take that leap and become a head brewer somewhere. So uh, I interviewed no intention of, of taking the job or getting the job or anything, but the more I talked to them and, and figured out, you know, they needed help. They needed uh, they needed a, a GM. They definitely needed somebody that worked in a brewery before nobody, none of their staff had ever even worked in a brewery. They just treated it like a restaurant. And I'm like, this place has so much history and, and people just love this place so much. And it's really, really died down. Like it just so much opportunity here to, revive this legacy brand and and bring it back so um at the time i was uh just post pandemic i had just done a ton of brewing education um and was kind of back and i was i think i was working like three breweries at the same time uh just part-time helping people recover from the pandemic yikes uh i I went back went back to hofbrau um where I'd, I'd do that once a month and just go in and clean their equipment just so that it wasn't sitting, you know, stagnant. And, uh, I was working up at a, a brewery just south of Rockford. I was working part-time at a brewery in East Moline and was just kind of 
wasn't too deep into anything. And uh, I had just finished business of craft beer program through University of Vermont and then business of craft beer program through San Diego State. And I was like, um, you know, my next my next venture is opening up my own brewery. I, I have I've been at four to four or five different breweries by this point, been a head brewer at, at several of them. I've worked on every scale of brewing system at this point. And uh, my next leap is to is to have my own brewery. It's that's that's my next step. And so I had a business plan that I had put together um, from the the programs that I was in and was kind of looking at different spaces and looking at different partners that you know could be helpful and getting in it with me. And uh, yeah, this opportunity came up and I got to tour the place and I was like, man, this place is massive. It is so big and like, the brewing equipment's it's outdated, but it's it's got charm and you know updating just a couple of things this would be way cheaper than building out my own brewery. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot I could do with this. And the brand is just, you know, uh, just so known in, in this area that I could give it a facelift and, and bring back the blue cat and just kind of update it and make it cool again and, and brew their award-winning beers, but then also brew some of my crazier things and kind of keep that balance on the tap list. And I uh, just saw a great opportunity there. And uh, the, the partners that owned it were like, yes, Absolutely. So um, I, I put in some money and we bought, uh, got all new fermenters and new hot liquor tank, new glycol chiller, did a bunch of updates in the brewery, kept the same old uh, the brew house from 1993. Uh, it's a specific it system. Yeah. I think the, the uh, serial number is, is 360 something like okay. one of the first specific systems and uh, works like a charm. It's one of the best, like, workhorse brewery brewing brew houses that I've, I've i've worked on brand new ones that that don't give me the efficiency that this old beast does so uh wonderful brew system and uh i actually got to sit down with dan uh cleveland the original brewmaster and gave me all of the old recipes gave me all the old brew sheets uh we sat down and there's a, a brewery right up the hill from me um called radical effect brewing and that's his little watering hole that he hangs out at so go up there and uh drink some wit beers he the man loves some wit beers and he he just <laughs> you know we'd, we'd sit down one recipe at a time and and go through all right well what what was what was the big bad dog how, how do we recreate that like how you know the ingredients aren't the same like they were in the 90s everything's more modified there's so many more brands yeah. like what were why did you use this malt why did you use this amount of this malt uh you know, if, if I switch up the yeast, are you going to be mad at me? Like things like yeah. that. But, but I mean, um, that is the nature of progress though. And I think a lot of those breweries that, you know, in the nineties when, you know, well, we used it cause that's what was available to a brewery our size and that just sort of adapted, um, but then didn't update over time. You know, those are some of the ones that fell on harder times, especially, you know, when they could see dwindling sales or customers in the tap room absolutely and yeah this place um you know in the 90s yeah it was it was a great success story of one of the, the earlier breweries but um this this whole area they call it the district down here um every storefront was in business there were several nightclubs and bars and restaurants just over a several block area um Today we're one of three businesses open in this whole area. Uh, you know, we can, we just closed on New Year's Eve, so now there are there are two operating businesses in this once thriving downtown area, uh, and that's that's you know, pandemic had a lot to do with it, but it was it was already dying down before that. Uh, just again, progress like the new newer developing areas were popping up on both sides of the river that were becoming you know they're cleaner, they're, they're newer, they're, uh, new, new restaurants, new styles of foods, new culture. And, uh, it, it just kind of moved away from this area. Uh, so it's, it's definitely kind of a ghost town down here. So you jumped ahead to a little bit of the spoiler, but closing <laughs> at the, uh, at the end of 2022. So just about three weeks ago. Yeah. Just about three weeks ago. It was kind of, uh, yeah, I didn't really get a good amount of time in here. I think I was only, uh, you know, partial owner and operator for uh, fourteen or fifteen months. Um, we did a great 
we had a great thing going, which is the super disappointing thing of having to close the doors. There's so many factors in, in owning and operating a business that until you really get into it, especially at this scale, I feel like that it's, it, it, it can't be done by one person. And I was, I was really trying to wear all the hats um, and was, spread was, myself was, too thin. Was that by need or necessity? Both. Like something that you um, needed to prove or yeah I don't, I don't i don't know if it was you know a really a proving thing except for the fact that i just had so much experience in so many aspects of a brewery that i like i knew how to do most things and it's so hard to find people that can do those things or to train people to do those things when you're doing so many other things at the same time um, and I think that was, that was the big thing with it is, um, yeah, I just, uh, c- couldn't find the right people. We, um, I think I went through two chefs in the first couple of months. The first one was terrible. Uh, he ended up going to jail like two days after he started, but after we like had already changed the menu and like doing all this stuff and, uh, like, like sentenced, like he knew this was like, <laughs> No, like oh, he okay. just, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not going to get into his, yeah, no, we don't stuff, have to, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like it was, you know, we just made this big investment into him of, you know, changing, you know, coming up with a brand new menu, ordering all this food, hiring new people and, and getting them in for training shifts. And then like, at you know, my stroke of luck, uh, uh, he ends up getting picked up and yep, he's, he's in jail for the, like the next 20 years. Uh, so then we, you know, went, had to take that next step back again and, you know, find another chef. Luckily I found a really, really great chef. And he, uh, it was somebody that I had worked with at Bent River. So like he kind of knew, you know, what would be successful for a brew pub and, um, and how to incorporate, you know, a good menu that, that showed up, showcased the beer and showcased the food equally that it wasn't a restaurant that made beer and it wasn't a brewery that, you know, to serve some bar food. It was a, you know, a very, very much an actual brew pub where they, they coexisted and balanced each other out really well. Uh, and he was fantastic, but, um, uh, yeah, he recently uh, got an opportunity to open up his own business. So he definitely can't fault a guy for, you know, making that jump. I, I made the same jump myself. Yeah. Uh, I, I want everybody to do that. If you think you got, you know, the, the skill to do it, do it, you know, get that experience. So he, he ended up leaving, um, about a month ago and, and started his own deal, but I just had nobody else in the kitchen could step up and, and fulfill that role. Uh, you know, it's so much more than just, you know, cooking food. It's all the inventory and food costs and scheduling and training employees and prep work and cleaning and all the stuff that no, nobody else on staff back there, um, could, could really step up with. And I've, I've literally never worked in a restaurant. Like I've worked in brew pubs, but I've never really worked on the front of house side. So this was all brand new to me. Um, I thought I was just going to be able to hire a chef and hire a front of house manager. And I was just going to do my thing in the brewery and everything was going to work out. And I went through four front of house managers in the first year. And it felt like as soon as you train somebody, they're either, you know, they, the amount of job opportunities that are available right now, um, you know, if something else comes up, somebody's paying more for less work, people are going to take it. So I had, I had two people leave for that reason. And then I had, I had one person that, you know, you spend all this time training them and, um, and then they, they, you know, still can't really fulfill the job that needs to be done. So it's, do you spend more time like really hammering into them and being like, Hey, this really needs to get done. This is really, really have to do the whole job, not just the parts that you want to do. Or yeah. do you, you know, look for another person or do you just do it yourself because you already wasted so much time and money putting into, into people. And, uh, in the end, that's, that's kind of what happened. I, we just kind of, we couldn't start over again with, with another person of, of investing in them and having them either leave or fall short. Um, yeah. you know, like I said, when it was, when it was blue cat of the early, 90s and 2000s and things there were two partners there was and one that a, ran the brewery and one that ran the restaurant and they they had their roles and they were both passionate and and great at what they did and that's why it was so successful for so long and that i was going to ask you about that about having 
you know, two people, because as you've now said, and I think, you know, some folks have learned this the, the hard way and some have been, you know, eventually successful, although walking through glass at the, you know, to, to, to get to that point, um, running a brewery, running a restaurant, even if they are under the same roof are two totally different, uh, uh, scenarios. So I, I imagine now as you're talking to, you know, people who are in a position like you were two years ago, uh, that are thinking about, you know, either taking something over or starting their own, uh, brewery with a food component. I imagine the advice is make sure you have somebody who knows the food component. Yeah. Don't, don't try to do it yourself. That is the, the, biggest piece of advice. Don't expect to hire somebody to do the full job that you're expecting. Like you, you're going to need a partner that has not just that experience, but that passion to, you know, put in the 70 hours a week and, and really care about labor costs and food costs and waste and, and all of those things, because it's, it's so hard to hire somebody that checks all of those boxes. You really have to have somebody with the that has their skin in the game. That's, you know, that's, I mentioned that to my partners several months ago when, um, when I just kind of got spread too thin, I was like, guys, like if, if one of you doesn't have like a, a, a you know, a, a son or daughter that wants to run the restaurant side of this, then like, I'm going to need one of you or both of you or, or some of both of your ownership, you guys got to sell something and, and get a partner. I need a partner in here. That's that is going to operate with me. I can't, operate this entire place by myself you can't i i don't i don't need investors like it, this place isn't gonna it isn't gonna run itself with just money like it it needs the right yeah. people uh so that's been the big thing too you know we put the we started putting the word out a couple months ago even before the chef left about you know looking for a restaurant partner there's so many great food trucks and pop-ups and things that happen in this area it's a great food area it's a lot of culture here a lot of different kinds of food that that thrive here. With, we have several universities and stuff in this area, and they, you know, it just brings all the culture with it. And I'm like, there's got to be like one of those food trucks or or just somebody that's been cooking at home that is ready to make that leap. And this is such a great opportunity because we're all like, it's we're not hurting for customers at all. Um, we're and we're selling a ton of beer. We're we have great front of house staff. We have great back of house staff. But without those those leaders, um, and those positions, it has to be multiple people. It can't just be me. And especially with, if I don't know what, what I'm doing, I'm winging it. I've been winging it for 15 months yeah. being like, all right, uh, I guess this is how you run a restaurant. I've never even worked in one, but let's, but yeah, can't be too hard right now. It's, it's super hard. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, the I'm famous in, uh, last words. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in so many, uh, like brewery and planning Facebook groups and things. Cause they're, there are groups that I was in, but you know, before I started my own brewery or, or got my own brewery that I'm still in. So I still see people making posts every day of, you know, how do you approach food in your brewery or, or can I, can I just open up a tap room? And, you know, it's different for everybody. There are absolutely breweries that can operate without food. Um, it's really hard. I, I know that for a fact that it's, you know, if, if you're trying to do a, a big enough scale, with just, having a small craft brewery and just having a tap room. It's, it's hard. It's rough. I know, uh, there's, I, I got one right down the street from us, uh, wake brewing, uh, also in rock Island and they have very small tap room, very small brew system. They pump out a ton of beer. They make great beer. They market it super well. Um, but they, you know, they had to start their own food truck. They didn't have any room in their building to add food. And they knew not having food after they had been open for, almost three years was, it was, you know, something that they absolutely needed to fulfill and to rely on other people's food trucks and things wasn't going to work. So, um, yeah, they ended up, uh, ended up starting their own food truck because they didn't have the space, but, uh, food, food at this point, I mean, at least in our brewing community is, is a necessity. And if, if you don't have that, that dual skill set of running a restaurant and running a brewery, and there are definitely people that can do it. I, I know them there. And I have so much respect for people that can do both. Um, but yeah, if, if you can't, don't, don't try to wing it. That's my advice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you have to make this necessary. And then there's some infrastructure problems that happened at the building uh, as well. 
um, that I saw some posts about. Um, but you had to make this, you know, terrible decision to have to, at the end of the year, say, okay, like this is, you know, we can't keep the doors open. We can't, you know, keep the lights on. Although you, you, you've kept the beer flowing. Um, it seems like what you've, what you've had in the tanks for the last, for the last little bit. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of my coworkers, you know, I say coworkers because I worked alongside them, not just at this brewery, like a, much of our staff came from other breweries. There were people that I worked with there that whenever I opened up my brewery, they were like, oh yeah, we want we want to do whatever you're doing. Like, we want to work at your place. So uh, most of my staff I had worked with at other breweries and stuff. So I, you know, still consider them my friends. It's really hard to have that, you know, um, uh, balance of being the boss and, and considering your, your employees, your friends and things, but I absolutely have and still do. Um, I've been very open with them about how things are going and, and what was, what was going on. And, you know, I'm like, I'm looking for a restaurant partner. Like I don't, I, that's, that's what's going to take to, um, to keep this place rolling. So like, you know, put, put your feelers out there. Like, I'm, I'm not saying we're closing. I'm just saying like, that's, that's the next step for us to, um, uh, to keep operating. And so just kept that, you know, transparency through every step of the way. When, when the chef left, you know, I had a, uh, emergency employee meeting called everybody in. I was like, Hey, chef left. So like, we don't have food now. Um, and if we don't have food, we don't have bar service. So, until you know, I can find somebody to run the kitchen. We're we're gonna have to close operations, and it might be temporary. It might be permanent. It, it's all gonna depend on how how long it takes to get the right person in here and everything. But having that transparency with the staff, like I I knew that was definitely the you know the right thing to do. Um, but you know, from everyone that was there, they're all like, yeah, you know, we'll, we obviously need to find other jobs and and. Uh, you know, do our best, but let us know when, when you reopen. And, um, uh, you know, if, if, and when we reopen, then, um, you know, I, I know that a lot of them would come back. Several of them would come back. Just, yeah, uh, I think we did it the right way as opposed to just putting a you know, piece of paper on the door that says we're, you know, closed and they find out that way or, or, a, you know, from a Facebook post or a text message or anything like that. Like, I wanted to be very clear face to face of like every step of the way, what was going on. And I think they all understood. They all, you know, they, they knew how, how thin I was, you know, being spread and uh, felt for me and everything. And a lot of them were, were doing more than what their job expectation was um, to help me out. And, you know, I appreciate all of them so much for, for what they put into it. Cause a lot of them did a lot more of than what was their job to keep this place running. Ah, but yeah, it was definitely a, a rough thing that we didn't want to do. And we were hoping, yeah, you know, let's get a couple months, put the feelers out there. I do a lot with our local media and things and, you know, put, put it all out there that we are looking for a restaurant partner. And I've, I've met with you know, half a dozen people. I haven't, I've met with maybe two or three that were um, more, more potential and we'll see where those go. And, you know, yeah. hopefully we can, we can bring it back, but um, we want to just, yeah, just put everything out there. And with the community, this is, you know, just, such a staple place. I have so many times, so many stories of customers coming in and, you know, that told me how appreciative they were that we revived the blue cat brand and brought it back. And, you know, that people say, you know, I, I had my first date with my wife in that booth over there and you know, we've been married for 15 years and we have two kids and we've had both of their baby showers in your private event space upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all those stories are great. And, people being like, this is, this is where I found craft beer. Like in 1994, I had my first stout and it was the first stout that I ever have. And I love craft beer now. And it all started here. And I'm like, wow, like those are, I, yeah, I didn't grow up in this community. I just kind of transplanted into it. So, um, I know people love this place and that's, that's, I, I wanted to be as respectful with my staff as I was with the with the community and being like, we're, I'm going to do whatever I can. And we're just going to limp through what we're, what we're doing. And I'm, I'm on the hunt for somebody that has the same passion that I do about beer that, you know, they have it about food come in and, and let's, let's partner up. Let's, uh, let's keep this place alive. And, and that's and where we're at. That's, that's up. That's today. the goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
that's the goal to keep it, to keep it going. So it's, it's not a, uh, uh, at this point, a permanently closed situation. No, it's, you know, we, we haven't completely thrown in the towel, um, where it, it, it's, <laughs> it feels like it every day. I'm like, man, it's, um, you know, we did actually have to close for, um, a uh, better part of almost two weeks. We, like you said, in some infrastructure damage, we had, uh, you know, perfect storm over, uh, the, uh, Christmas vacation weekend, you know, um, I let all the staff, you know, take Christmas Eve and Christmas day off. And, uh, we had two furnaces go out. Uh, we had negative 36, uh, wind chill and caused two of our furnaces to go out, which caused four burst pipes in, uh, that were touching exterior walls. <sighs> so, uh, I came in Monday morning and there's a, a river just flowing down our alley and it was where the sump pumps drain out of the building too. And I'm like, Oh no. So yeah, I came inside and our basement had upward in some areas of the, the lower parts of the basement had six to eight inches of water. And there's just, yeah, a, a waterfall flowing through the walls into the basement. And I'm like, wow, just, just add it on, just pile it up. You know, that's <laughs> one more yeah. thing that, you know, these, my staff thought they, you know, were going to have another week, week and a half of being able to, to limp through and uh, make some money after the holidays. And, uh, they didn't get that. So, uh, we ended up after we were able to clean up and, uh, fix the damage and everything. I ended up just bartending for a couple of days. Um, cause most of them had already had, you know, have found new jobs and stuff in that time. And, uh, so I just bartended for a few days and kind of told people, you know, this might be the last chance to get the beer and come in and tip heavy. I'm not taking any of the tips. I'm splitting it with all my staff, you know, front and back of house. I split it with, and everybody got a, a little chunk of chunk of money to, at least help them out a little bit, but, um, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was rough. Hope it gets better. I mean, it seems like that's the only place to go is up at this point, but right. Um, yeah. It's staying positive, you know, it's, it's, it's the big thing. And, you know, there's definitely, uh, definitely other opportunities for me out there. You know, I, I'm not ever going to be hurting for a brewing job. I don't think. Um, so, it, it's just rough. I don't want to see this brand disappear is the big thing. Like, and, yeah. and I've, I've put so much of myself into this place and I know any, any brewery owner tell you the same thing that it's, it's a, it's a part of them at, at any point, even if they walk away from it, it's, it's going to, you know, carry with them of what they put into it. You know, I'm sitting in this building right now. It's completely empty and silent and it's, I, I don't want to see it sit like this. I don't want to see those fermenters sit empty, you know, and, the beer not flowing on the taps. I want to see people in, enjoying a pint of Arkham Stout and a big bad dog and watching the football game and hanging out. That's, that's what this place is here for. I've been asking folks on the show for a while, a long while now, um, the green door question, which I don't know if you're familiar with the TV show, The Good Place. But in the final season of that show, they introduce a concept of a green door that you can walk through and be anywhere um, at any time, uh, basically doing whatever you want. And so if there was such a door on our plane of existence and this conversation uh, ended and you could walk through it and be at any pub or any brewery anywhere in the world, where would you want to go? Who would you want to be with? And what would you like to be drinking? Oh man. Uh, I, several things just popped into my head, like just hearing that, but I think the brewery I'd want to be at would be the Schlafly tap room in St. Louis. And I'd be wanting to have a beer with Stephen Hale. Uh, he was the head brewer there from, from when they started. He just recently retired last year. Um, and he was such a huge mentor to me. Uh, I still talk to him. You know, he, I think he's sailing around the world right now in a sailboat, but um, talk to him almost once a week. I, I took his board seat um, at, on Master Brewers, St. Louis District. And so 
uh, yeah, he still keeps in touch with what I'm doing with master brewers and everything. But every time that I've had a chance to sit down and have a Schlafly pale ale or Schlafly blonde or any of his beers and, and have a conversation, it always goes deeper than beer. We always started with beer and it always got deeper than beer and always loved having those conversations with him. And definitely, um, that that's where I'd be for sure. I love it. Hey, Charlie, thanks for taking the time and being on the show this week and for, uh, giving us a peek into, uh, some of the real life travails of owning a small brewery in America these days. Absolutely. Appreciate it, John. A reminder to take some time for mental health breaks. It's okay not to be okay. And the stresses of the world are not yours alone to shoulder. Take time for yourself and reach out to those who love you whenever you need support. A reminder to go visit allaboutbeer.com. You can check out the podcast page, the merch page. You can read great new content as well as the archives going back to 1979. Questions, comments, concerns, guest suggestions, let me know by emailing me. It's John Hall, J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L at allaboutbeer.com, or you can tell me on Twitter at John underscore Hall. You can also follow All About Beer on social media simply by going to at allaboutbeer on whatever social platform you're looking for. If you're interested in supporting journalism in the beer space, you can email us at info at allaboutbeer.com or go to patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. Speaking of that, today's episode was sponsored by Athletic Brewing Company, America's leading non-alcoholic craft brewer. Now you can drink great tasting brews all month long without feeling hungover. Whether you're giving dry a try for a few days or the whole month of January, Athletic Brewing's near beers have you covered. New Athletic customers can receive 20% off of their first order of two six-packs or more when they visit athleticbrewing.com and use the code AAB20 at checkout by March 31st, 2023. And again, you can learn about advertising by emailing us at info at allaboutbeer.com. Don't forget, All About Beer has a podcast channel now. Search and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Steal This Beer has new episodes every Monday, and the BYO Nano podcast comes out on the 15th of every month. As for this show, Nate Weber does the music, Jeff Quinn designed our logo, and I'm John Hall. New episodes release every Wednesday, and that's when I'm going to be back again to drink beer and to think beer. <laughs>